Macworld Podcast number 289 for February 22nd, 2012. Welcome to another edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'm Lex Friedman. Last week, we learned about Mountain Lion, the next version of OS X due out this summer. Right now, the OS is only in a developer preview, and Apple has plenty of time to change things up before the official Mountain Lion release several months from now. With that in mind, Senior Associate Editor Dan Morin, Staff Editor Serenity Caldwell, and I got together to discuss features Apple hasn't yet announced for Mountain Lion that we hope will make surprise appearances by the time the OS ships. So, Ren and Dan, thanks for joining me. No problem, Lex. Hey, thanks for having us. Well, uh, I wasn't really given much of a choice. But uh, so we, we've seen Mountain Lion, and um, I think all of us has had a chance to, to poke around with it a little bit. Dan, why don't you start us off? Tell us, what's something that's missing that you're hoping makes an appearance by the time Mountain Lion is live? Well, if you read our website, and sheesh, I certainly hope you do, uh, you might have seen an opinion piece from me on uh, Wednesday about multiple monitor support in Lion. Did you see that? I think I did see that. Yeah, I think it was on there. I did, Um, yeah. And basically, you know, this is to say you can use multiple monitors with Lion just as you can with Lion or any other version of OS X. But what it lacks is a bit of the elegance we've come to expect from OS X in a lot of the other uh, areas. So, for example, um, while it's pretty easy to hook up a second monitor and put your windows wherever you please, uh, Lion introduced this new full-screen mode in which you can blow up any app to take over your entire screen, and it's a little bit like, uh, you know, you're running an iOS device that's your app sort of dominates the experience. Now, that's fine and and works great on my 11-inch MacBook Air, but when I'm using my iMac with my uh, additional 27-inch monitor, it uh it doesn't look so good. In fact, if you blow a window up, it takes up your primary monitor and your secondary monitor is left with a gray blank giant field of the linen texture pattern that Apple has become so fond of. Um which is charming and not very useful. Um so I'm kind of hoping that Mountain Lion shows a uh more appreciation on Apple's part of those of us who are using dual monitor uh, setups or more than dual multi-monitor setups and you made the, the valid point in your piece dan about the uh the thunderbolt display which seems like it's you know it's it's clearly an external display to use with macs and almost every single mac that apple sells at this point already has a built-in display so it's not like apple is not catering to customers not only that but if you look at the marketing copy for the Thunderbolt display, it's largely showed with the MacBook Air uh, and basically as a companion to the MacBook Air. Um, now, there are a couple of Macs that don't have displays like sure. the Mini or the Mac Pro. Um, but you're right, the vast majority of them, because the vast majority are laptops to begin with. And the Mac Pro is certainly one of the smallest, uh, you know, in terms of percentage of Macs that Apple sells. But yeah, so they clearly want it. And there's clearly a demographic that's interested in this especially i think on the pro front which you know has felt like lately they're getting a lot of short shrift from apple i mean they're still looking for a mac pro update in the you know hasn't been updated in the last year and a half or so um so clearly there's a there's a a reason to have more than one monitor whether you be a designer or a a video editor or even just a, a lowly a lowly writer like some of us um there's there's advantage to it uh have you given thought though dan to how Apple could implement a better full screen app slash multi monitor 
support system? What what would you envision it looks like in a in a mountain lion of your dreams? Well, I mean, I, I think that they're on the right track. I, I think that there's some real advantages to full screen mode, and, and depending on the app you're using, uh, how useful it is is sort of uh, up and down. I mean, Mail, for example, I think strikes me as the one that they spent the most time sort of converting into a different experience because you'll notice that if you're in Mail um, and you full screen Mail and you create a new message, a little modal Mail pane sort of pops up just like it looks pretty much identical to the iPad Compose interface. Um, and so clearly that's sort of what they were sort of, you know, showing off here is like, oh, look, you know, we've got this great system. Everything's contained. You can't drag that modal composed box around at all. It's basically stuck where it is. Um, if you use other apps, both Apple's and third party apps, it's possible to open another window, which is weird because then you've got a window floating around in your full screen mode. Um, and if you have two monitors, you can drag another window over to the second part of the monitor. Um, but it's still forced to have that linen background there. So really, all I want is I, I love the ability to full screen apps in a lot of cases, but it would be great if that secondary monitor still had, you know, let me see my other open apps, for example. Well, I think the the simplest way to go about that would just be to have an extra option in displays going forth where you could choose, you know, if you're having a secondary display, you can choose to mirror that display. You can choose to carry that on as an extension of the same space, or we could add a new third option, show display as separate space. If that display is contained to its own separate space, then we don't have to worry about having a full screen app sort of float over into two monitors and not really have anywhere to go. Sure. Um, and it's a little tricky because full screen apps are also considered their own spaces. Um, so it's a little, it's a slightly bizarre scenario that Apple introduced in line to sort of meld those two things into one. But I think part of that was sort of, uh, the sort of impetus behind that was the fact that they introduced the multi-touch gestures so you could easily swip, uh, switch back and forth between spaces using that three-finger swipe, which is great. Um, but you'll notice now if you have a multi-monitor setup and you swipe to one side, both of them shift because both of your monitors are basically considered part of the same space. Um, and the most vivid or sort of a interesting point for that is if you switch into dashboard and you have dashboard set up as it is by default to be its own space, then you basically you've got that weird sort of Lego pattern that the dashboard uses now, but you'll just see that over your entire two monitors. Um, and I like dashboard probably more than a lot of people, but I don't have nearly enough widgets to fill two monitors. Right, and you, it's nice that you can at least move your widgets, you know, from screen to screen. But I just sort right. of leave the calendar all by itself on one screen. Well, and and, it looks really lonely. And even more annoying, um, if you switch back and forth, let's say you have a laptop that you plug into an external display, indeed, and you unplug it sometimes to go work someplace else with it, um, your window organization gets all messed up. Like there are windows off the screen and uh, stuff like that. So it's a little bit. It can be a little bit annoying. Um, and I, you know, I, I realize that this is probably for a, a lot, most of Apple's customers, maybe more of an edge case. Um, but, you know, it would be nice to see some appreciation for those of us who are, uh, find ourselves using this setup. Are you, are you placing odds on the likelihood that Apple will address this multi-monitor setup by the time Mountain Lion ships? You know, I, I, part of me does not feel very sanguine about the prospect of them actually addressing it because it seems like, the sort of like I compare with the the pro users before, it seems like Apple's less concerned about that these days. But at the same time, um, it's such an egregious thing if you hook up multiple <laughs> monitors that it seems like something they might want to work on. Understood. 
All right. Well, I agree with you. If, if anybody's keeping score at home, I agree with Dan. This might be the first time that's ever happened. I forgot to ring my uh, bell for the ding. Serenity Caldwell. You've written on Macworld about all sorts of features you're excited about in Mountain Lion, but I'm guessing since you agreed to join this podcast that there must also be features you're hoping will make it into Mountain Lion but aren't there yet. Well, there are definitely – there are features that I'm curious about. Uh, there's been some movement in the Mountain Lion uh, developer beta and in the preview that we got from Apple. So in Lion, uh, Dashboard got a little bit of love in that it was allowed to be its own space rather than just hover over the screen, which is really nice because previous to that, it really – it was introduced with Tiger, which is 10.4, I believe, uh, and then really hasn't been updated since then. People have been making third-party widgets, but when it first introduced, it was, again, an overlay over the screen. And if you didn't have the fastest and the best computer at the time, that would often be sluggish and the widgets would take long time to, to reload. Um, so putting it into its own space has definitely made me use Dashboard a lot more than I used to. And it's very nice, you know, especially if you have a, multi, uh, a magic trackpad or if you're using one of the laptops, just being able to use a multi-touch gesture to go back and forth. So with Mountain Lion, um, what they've done is they've, they've just added some minor changes. They've made a couple of interface tweaks to a couple of the Apple-designed widgets. But they've also added a new sort of uh, organizational form field for it, which looks very much like Launchpad in Lion, but also looks like your iOS home screen. And there have been rumors, God, there's been rumors since Lion debuted really and a little bit before that about figuring out some way to run certain iOS apps on the desktop, if it was plausible, if it actually would work out, because certain certain iOS apps, you know, could translate very well. Other iOS apps that, you know, attempt to do multiple things, maybe games aren't exactly the best transfer to to a Mac. But some people like having having a little tiny uh, version of of the weather app on your iPhone is very similar to the weather app or the weather widget in Dashboard. So people are wondering, you know, maybe maybe there can be some transfer between those two. And this new this new organizational structure makes me wonder if Apple is very slowly hinting at moving towards that direction, whereas maybe not necessarily putting offering a way to put all your iOS apps on your Mac. But it would be nice to be able to, say, use certain things, uh, use certain apps, or even be able to preview them if not necessarily try and uh, – Try and use multi-touch gestures on a on a trackpad, right? And it's, I mean, especially like you said, you know, with the the launchpad style interface for navigating them. I agree with you that it feels like they're moving towards something there. there. There's no reason to change the organization tools for dashboard unless you're planning to do something new with it, because nobody was saying, "Boy, it's really hard to organize my dashboard widgets before." <laughs> No one was really like, oh, I have so many dashboard widgets that I want to be able to drag them around by name or organize them into a I, folder. I have a lot of dashboards. Which you can widgets. now do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But not enough to fill up oh, two Oh, God, screens. no. No, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's just madness. Have you organized them into folders yet, Dan? I haven't. Um, in fact, some of them didn't work on the uh, Mountain Lion install I was trying, sadly. Oh. <laughs> some of them were I'm broken. sorry. The the Apple's weather widget was broken on the Mountain Lion. I used. But uh, well, we should acknowledge that it's still just it's a very a beta. preview. It's, it's, it's a, a preview. Beta. It's not even a beta. It's a, you're right. It's a it's right. A pre, it's a pre beta. Pre beta. Yes. We call that. It still has some problems. Um, but as, as I said, as a preview, it leaves some interesting hints, and I wonder if 
we'll maybe hear more about that closer to Mountain Lion ship date or even if we see a new iOS update come with mythical hardware that may or may not come in the next couple months, whether that might be tied in. So it's definitely – it's intriguing. I want to hear more. Understood. You know, I uh, I have my own list here too of of – Things I'm rooting for to make an appearance in Mountain Lion. I, uh, again, Dan mentioned that uh, he hopes you read Macworld, and I do too. Uh, and if you do, you might have seen my own opinion piece recently where I claimed that Siri is the biggest and most prominent missing Mountain Lion feature. Now, I think you can, even without my going into it, you can get the gist of my argument. You know, I'd love to be able to hold down a key and uh, on my keyboard and have my Mac ready to listen and not just do the things that speech, which is already built into OS X, can handle, but to do more conversational uh, interactions the way that Siri can, where I could say, you know, I want to make an appointment with my Mac or set a reminder with my Mac, uh, that, need, that sort of thing. You need to make appointments with your Mac a lot, like it has a busy schedule? Yes. I, um, that's, that's exactly right. My Mac and I are, are very cordial, but uh, occasionally it, it needs me to book time with it. Uh, but so, you know, I, I want, you know, I want to be able to do those things. And uh, the feedback that I got early on, you know, there are people who said, yes, I absolutely agree with you. But I heard from folks on Twitter and in my uh, inbox suggesting, you know, well, how could this work since, you know, many people use their Macs in working situations and it'll be so distracting to their coworkers for them to, to talk to their Macs. And I just want to say publicly on the record that, that I think that is a uh, a dopey counter argument, <laughs> if only because people in office spaces very frequently use uh, phones as well and place phone calls. And I think that you know people are accustomed to hearing folks talking around in their in their cubicles or office spaces. Whether that would mean that you know it's it's too hard for Siri to listen on the Mac, I, th- I think that Apple could figure that out too. I think that if Apple wants Siri to work on the Mac, it could get it. I don't think there's any technical limitation to its happening. Well, I mean, of course, the the one sort of business issue of that is that that Siri is not entirely built on their own technology, right? They they license supposedly, as far as we know, um, that that the speech recognition technology from from Nuance, who makes the Dragon line of dictation software, and of course, Nuance might not be too psyched about, uh, especially if they if Apple integrates the dictation features that we see on iOS, which would be great to have system level dictation, but you know, Nuance might not be very happy about them basically, uh, you know, eating up their business model there. Right. I completely agree with you. I, I, but now, Apple has never said officially that it's doing that deal with Nuance, right? It's never said officially, but I think it's, it's, in, it's understood. <laughs> did Siri tell you? I, did you? Did you ask her? Siri dropped a couple of hints. She, made, she said something about being very nuanced, but I, yeah. I, I sort of assumed I was reading between the lines there. Understood. Mm-hmm. You're reading between the lions, but uh, if Apple, yeah, I mean, so that's 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 a very valid point. Dan. you know, if Apple can come up with a way that within its nuanced agreements to do it, I think that's brilliant. And I, I, I happen to be of the belief that Apple may have a very, very large amount of cash in the bank, and if the solution were we're going to buy Nuance and own it so we can do whatever we want, I think that's still the right solution to do. I mean, there are certainly, and as you know, all three of us write by trade, and there are many times where it's much easier to type as you're writing just based on the way that we sort of formulate sentences paragraphs and then you know written articles but there are also times when it could be much faster and much more useful to be able to to rely on some kind of transcription engine and it's i mean i think that certainly it made even more sense to put it in the iphone because tapping away at 
your iPhone to get things done can oftentimes be slower than using Siri for certain very narrow niche tasks. And I think that's, you know, a less compelling argument on the Mac side, but still a very real argument on the Mac side. There are things that you'll be able to get done faster if, if your Mac can start listening. And as I think Absolutely. I commented when you when you wrote this piece, I'd love to see if, if Apple were to do such a thing on the Mac, I would love to see some integration between it and the iPhone, because I can imagine cases where I might want to do something on my Mac um, but maybe I'm not directly in front of my Mac. Maybe I'm in another room or something like that. Um, and it would be cool if there was such a way to, I mean, and I know there are some third-party apps that have tried to uh, leverage this ability to sort of send uh, Siri information, like have you interface with Siri on your iPhone and then send information to your Mac and have it do stuff there. But obviously I think there's a lot more potential if Apple were to integrate its own system of doing that. It'd be very intriguing. Uh, I think the one thing that I'm a little worried about is uh, microphone support. If we were to bring Siri to the Mac, because some of the some of Apple's newer newer computers do have you know outward noise uh, detection and blocking, and they do have some you know some health towards that. But the iPhone 4s especially has special hardware that make it much easier for Siri to understand you. And I'm wondering just how well Siri will work if you aren't necessarily talking into a headset or, you know, you're just sitting at your desk talking five feet away in an office environment. Well, if you're doing it on your phone, you already are dealing with a speakerphone situation. And yeah, the iPhone has a, you know, chip for for isolating, you know, sound and it has a noise-canceling microphone. Then again, your Mac also has for many years had an ability to sort of remove ambient noise via its microphone if you look in some of the OS X settings. So I don't think there's anything that would stop them from putting a chip in there or just even leveraging the CPU. I mean, like the reason I have a chip like that on the phone is partially the technology, but partially also because, you know, the, the hardware must, it has to be a lot more compact and it's nice to offload things. But, you know, a Mac's powerful machine. There's no reason it couldn't process it. Right. Absolutely. And- our senior contributor, uh, Kirk McElhern, emailed me pretty much the same thing that, that Ren just said, you know, that he thought that you'd need to have a custom mic situation, you know, or they'd have to at least add a noise canceling or something, or you'd have to use a headset. And I definitely don't want to have to get a new Mac to do this, and I don't want to have to wear a headset, because that I will never do. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. I When you look at the speech recognition that OS X can do today, you know, the biggest difference with Siri is that you have to, uh, with with speech on the Mac today, you have to use pretty exact phrases to get things to happen. You have to use the right phrasing. So it's, I imagine that makes the listening and and processing job on the Mac a lot simpler, but the fact that it can do it suggests to me that there's at least a way they could, they could make it happen where they so inclined. And I really hope they are. So that's that. Dan, do you have another feature you'd like to see? A show up in Mountain Lion? Another feature that I would like to see show up in Mountain Lion. I'm, this is what's called repeating the question to buy yourself time. Um, I, I think uh, some of these were adroitly pointed out. Um, you know, I think there are some things that they need to improve in messages, which I think you wrote a lengthy piece on. I'm stealing stealing your stuff. Steal. Steal away. I'm stealing away. Um Messages. Uh, I think you made a great point in your article, and I'm complimenting you all over the place today. I guess it's just it's you know I met the I met the, the women I met the women of the host, um, but you made an excellent point that uh, while there is integration with FaceTime in messages in both the beta that we are now using online and the the Mountain Lion version, um, FaceTime still a separate app, which is kind of weird. Um, it would be interesting to see that more of a combined and, and in some ways to sort of a more organic system for, for communicating with people. Um, messages in particular, as we've seen now, is really kind of this weird amalgam of all these different things, right? It's part IM client, part text message client, part 
uh, you know, video chat client, part VoIP client. You know, it's it's kind of a Frankenstein's monster. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, then that's not so much about a missing feature as the fact that it's just it's patchwork as it is. Um, so I certainly like to see them improve that a little bit. I think there's a lot of potential in there. Um, but yeah. That's that's one thing I'm throwing out there, Lex. I know you have strong feelings on this. Is there? Is there? Did I miss something? <laughs> no, I, no. You mean it's it, certainly you did take it right off my list that I had prepared for this podcast. But uh, no, I mean I think everything you said is right. Like to me, it makes no sense that they're going to send you out to a separate FaceTime app. I understand. I guess sort of why that happens on you know on the iPhone if you are in messages and you want you tap the button to FaceTime it switches over to the FaceTime app. Sure, but yeah, on the Mac it certainly feels like it could be a little bit more nicely integrated. And I, I don't know using the beta. I am sometimes confused when I'm trying to switch between platforms. You know, there's mm. been times when I specifically have been iMessaging Dan Morin and then we want to, you know, because he's not been at his computer or I've not been at mine, and then we want to switch to using, you know, AOL Instant Messenger instead and we <laughs> we have to sort of close the window that we're in and open a new window to get the chat to work that way and it's it's a little bit confusing and I think you know it's because Apple's combined so much stuff in there that's why it gets confusing and I don't know what the solution is but I'm, I'm optimistic they'll figure something out. Lex I will say there is a fairly easy solution to yours that I discovered quite accidentally which is in the messages app when it says to you know name of person if you hover over it and click on the little drop down arrow and then just select one of the names and or numbers below it if one of those is listed as an AIM contact you can click on that and it'll switch over to Although an I will AIM note that as a, as a beta it doesn't always work <laughs> yeah that, no, that's my problem is it doesn't right. work <laughs> it's true they really they really could have a better integration for that i'd also like to see integration of status updates for iMessage just to figure out some way of signaling when you're on your computer and when you're on your iPhone because as as many of us with multiple devices know if you're you know if I'm I'm messaging Dan and Lex on my computer Beep, ring yeah buzz <laughs> and so I have I have buzzing on my phone I have buzzing or I have bleeping on my iPad uh, my computer is flashing there's a there's a whole lot of alerting being going on when I really only need just just one device that I'm talking on to to do that. So if there's some if there'd be some way for us to sort of flag and be like, yes, this is the computer or this is the device I'm using right now. I'm not really sure how that would work, whether that's actually a literal status update, kind of like what you do with iChat where you just signal, oh, I'm available on this machine. Uh, but it's something that no messaging client has really quite gotten, and I would love to see oh, it's, Apple it's actually. It's kind of a tricky problem to solve. Um, right. And I think that's weird about it is that I think I remember way back when the iPhone first came out and a lot of us were asking, why why is there no IM support? Um, and, you know, the, the sort of working theory at the time was, well, they have this text message thing and, they, you know, they want to – it's collusion with the carriers, so you have to pay instead of being able to just IM people. Uh, and eventually we got third-party IM clients and – and that's sort of, you know, evened out a bit. But now I think Apple is, they've already angled to replace text messaging. I think part of them is angling to sort of filter that back and replace IM too, which is weird. And but. for me, there's, you know, one piece of this 
to solve this puzzle, I think actually Facebook sort of does right, where you can see when you're looking at a Facebook news feed and people's status updates, Facebook just puts a little phone icon if they've done it via some mobile device. And there's no such icon if they did it via the web. And I feel like just so that, you know, the first part I, f- I think of, uh, you know, of Ren's concern is she wants you to know where what device she's on so that, you know, if she's being terser, you don't have to think that she's being rude. You can recognize that she's on her iPhone instead. Um, so or if, know, know that she's being rude if you right, exactly. she's on her Mac. <laughs> more, more accurately, right. But so, I mean, at first I feel like, you know, uh, the, the if some icon could adorn my correspondence so I know which device they're messaging from and people could be amused by how frequently I switch from between three different devices as I, I message them. Uh, and then, I mean, I don't know how you solve the other problem, like Dan was saying. You know, it, it can't just be proximity because if I leave my Mac open all the time, which it feels sort of like Apple kind of wants me to do, um, and so my Mac's always on and my phone's on, it can't just assume that because my Mac's on and my phone's nearby that it should only wrap messages to my computer. Because what if, I've, if I'm two rooms over and I have my phone in my pocket, I don't want to miss my iMessage. So I don't know exactly how to solve that problem. But uh, I know that they definitely should. It's certainly, you know, if I'm in the middle of a conversation and I'm responding repeatedly, it seems like at some point, notification center on the iPad and the iPhone could notice that I keep replying on the Mac within the past seconds. So it doesn't need to bing and bong and boop and flash and vibrate each time a new message comes in in the same conversation. It's almost there because in some cases it will, once you've responded to a message on your computer, say it won't like mark it as read. Right. um, Ideally halfway there when it works. Right. And they, they need to sort of somehow figure out a way to, to predict that like they're just a, they're just a half second behind the times they need to just get up and get up in front of it somewhere in there ren did you have more on your list of things you'd like to see make it into mountain lion of things i'd like to see well i have one thing that i don't want to see make it into mountain lion or rather one thing that i don't think will make it into mountain lion and the people should stop hoping for and that is support for rosetta which you'd think that people would understand that when when Apple killed it off in Lion, that would be the end. And unfortunately, your your Power PC built programs will will no longer function. But there, we still got a lot of questions in our in our you know what you need to know about Mountain Lion. Will Rosetta be coming back? Will Will Apple be responding to the backlash? And unfortunately, that's that's going to be no. Does um, Does that mean that they? They also won't be putting floppy drives back in the computers because I was – I really have my fingers <laughs> I know you, you were really hoping for that, Dan. It's one of those things where obviously some people still have programs that they still need to use that will not function under Lion and Mountain Lion. And at that point, it, it really does become a, well, do I, do I upgrade my hardware and my software and – you know, accept the fact that the manufacturers of this software are not going to follow up and, you know, I mean, Quicken 2000 for Mac is going to be updated with Lion compatibility, so anything is possible. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, if you're going to keep with Apple's upgrade path, you're going to have to understand that certain apps just won't make the transition. And, and that's maybe something that you can accept or it may be something that you can't. And it's, you know, I, I don't want to go off on too far of a tangent, but it is an interesting phenomenon. Even, you know, we asked the question on Twitter about what people's upgrade plans are, and I was looking through some of those responses to Macworld. And, you know, even internally at the at the, the company, my own boss here at Macworld uh, still runs Snow Leopard on his Mac. 
Um, and it's it's interesting to see the folks who who really are still clinging to to Snow Leopard, which I think certainly has cemented a reputation for itself as a very stable and uh, polished version of the Mac operating system. Uh, and then you you know you've got folks like you know. Ren or 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 me, uh, Dan. I think as it gets a little more hesitant. Who you know, we were ready to install the developer preview on our production Max as soon as it was available. Uh, and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's entirely a generation gap or if it's just people who've been burned too many times by you know adopting the newest things or if it's you know. Are you, are you implying that I'm older than, than you? You're, you're very old, Dan. But it's um, you know you know I saw one person who said you know I I I'm not ready to upgrade to the newest version of Word and so there there I don't know what the last version of Word is that requires uh rosetta is it 2004 2004 i believe and you know that's i mean 2000 were 2000 uh, office 2004 it's a is a great suite if you like that sort of thing and i understand why people might not want to you know upgrade but it's it is interesting to me to watch um and to understand why apple just puts these lines in the sand like apple did not have to pull rosetta support from macs that could already handle it in line and it was a choice that apple made and i i think i understand where apple's coming from it's the same you know in, 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 to dan's point Point that he alluded to earlier. It's exactly, in my mind, the same philosophy that says we're just going to kill the floppy drive entirely on the first iMac. It, you know, if you if you try to make these things gradual transitions, people they, they will never, never give up clinging. Well, right. and, and I have think, to- you know, you, you look at that, and that's Apple's MO all over. Like, look at the, you know, uh, a lot of people, do, you know, support for iOS versions, right? Like, they try to very, remain very... Uh, good about supporting the last couple generations of devices for iOS, but they're still not afraid to draw a line in the sand and say this software requires iOS 5 because, you know, there's good things in there and, you know, it, they want to take, have people take advantage of it. And I think that's that's constantly the way that, that Apple does these things and I think that you know, uh, I don't know about you know, dropping things and, and adopting the, the latest version on the spot, but I, I, not to sound like too much of a fanboy, I, I consider those sometimes opportunities because I feel like, well there, if this, I'm letting this piece of software hold me back, maybe there's a, another piece of software that does what I'm trying to do better, you know, right. and works with the, the version, the newer version of the operating system. Understood. Dan, I think you also wanted to, to talk about one other feature request you have regarding AirPlay. Yeah. Um, there's some really cool AirPlay features in, in Mountain Lion. Specifically, you can mirror your display on your Mac to your Apple TV, and you can also uh, simply pipe all sound from your computer out to an AirPlay receiver just as though to any other speaker source. Um and I think those are both really cool. But what I love to see is the ability to AirPlay to a Mac. So if I've got something on my uh, iPad that I want to show off on my Mac or that I want to watch on my Mac, say a video or something, it'd be great if I could just, you know, same as what I do with my Apple TV, select a different video source. It would show up on my display and take over the whole screen there and I could watch a video or play a game or something like that. I just it seems like such a strange thing for there not to be support for. Um, right. It's it's odd to think about these things being unidirectional and you have to think about which way you're going. And if if it were more ubiquitous, I think it gets less confusing. Right. And I think it makes AirPlay more compelling to a certain extent too, because right now you really need that Apple TV in order for there to be uh you know, AirPlay to be useful at all. 
And we should note that there is third-party software that'll currently do this, like Banana TV. Will do it, but well. not well. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, there would be really nice to see an actual Apple-authorized solution that doesn't force right. us to. Well, and it to seems tinker. again, like I was saying, it seems it seems so obvious given that they are now going in the other direction and letting you shunt all your audio or your entire screen to your Apple TV. I mean, you know, your your Mac screen is. Probably still bigger than your your iPad screen in a lot of cases, or your iPhone screen certainly. So why not just let you you know output your video from right. your iOS device to your Mac? What I'd really like to see is you know the ability with Mountain Lion since it already can AirPlay my uh, my my Mac's display. I want to be able to AirPlay my Mac's display to my Mac and see what happens. That's that's what I'm waiting for. You ever tried to screen share to yourself, Lex? It <laughs> only terrifying. ends in sadness. Or just you ever walk down a hall with two mirrors in it? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, before we uh, wrap up, I think uh, based on conversations that I had before the show, because we have those, um, Serenity had one other point she wanted to make about uh, iCloud documents. Yeah, uh, I there's there's limited support in this first in this first preview uh, in in of all things preview the preview app um, that gives us a peek as to what iCloud document support is going to look like on the Mac. Uh, which right now, from what I can tell, it's basically you. It's a giant cloud-based thing, storage storage folder, basically a storage dump where you can drag folders from your Mac uh, to this storage folder, so, uh, kind of similarly to what you do with Dropbox, um, and that basically will hold, you know, it'll hold documents, it'll hold PDFs, uh, it'll it'll hold a variety of things. Uh, however, I'm not clear from this preview whether that giant document storage locker is going to be, you know, ubiquitous across all apps and all devices, or whether each app will have its own separate storage locker like it does on iOS, and that they can, you know, never the twain shall meet. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's it's very unclear, especially because the only app in this preview right now that supports it is Preview. Actually, so uh, breaking is, news: you can also do it inside Text Edit. Can you? I, I didn't know you could do it in Preview, edit, but I but I could not I could not make it work. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm curious. Also, I'm very curious to see what what things are coming down the pipeline for iWork because clearly Apple has developed some really, really nifty iOS apps for iWork. And right now the way to edit an iWork document from iOS to the Mac is a little bit cumbersome and iOS, uh, iOS versions of iWork have iCloud support. So it's really only, only a matter of time before iWork on the Mac gets those same things. So iCloud documents is just it's something that I'm interested in keeping an eye on and it's something that I'd really like to know more about. And iCloud in general, I mean which which has been, you know, despite being touted as sort of part of Lion, uh the iCloud and Lion is really basically just a replacement for mobile me, right? Like there's it's very a little older. Yeah, I mean there's well there's very little it, it basically is like uh we're getting rid of mobile me, but we still want to provide most of that functionality, so we'll just we'll move that into iCloud, but it doesn't really do anything new except for some of like the iTunes stuff. And it didn't really uh, seem like it delivered on that whole, you know, oh, we're going to sync your files or what have you, right? Or, I mean, any of the other things. I mean, we know there's some sort of account syncing in in Mountain Lion, but it's not entirely clear what information that's syncing. Right. Yeah, it may be it may be your email accounts and your Vimeo accounts and whatever accounts you have in your accounts tab and preferences, or it may be more full-featured. It may sync your passwords. It may sync doc items so that you can migrate from one computer to the other. I still kind of want to see time. that uh, much, much, 
theorized feature that someday Apple will let you basically log into a computer, say using your like Apple ID or something, and there will be, you know, all your stuff, all your desktop, all your tabs that you just left open on your other computer or whatever. That would be that'd be pretty magical. Cool. It would be pretty great. Well, I have to tell you both, I was already excited about the final release of Mountain Lion, but after hearing your wishes, I'm even more excited than I was before, which I didn't, I will tell you, I didn't even know it was possible for me to be more excited than I was. We're happy to oblige, Lex. Well, thank you, Ren Caldwell, for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. And I feel obligated to thank Dan Morin as well, although it goes against my better judgment. I guess <laughs> it was nice to be here. I mean, it wasn't terrible. Could have been worse. <laughs> I get that a lot. Let me take one more opportunity to thank both Dan Moore and Serenity Caldwell for joining me for this edition of the Macworld Podcast. And of course, thank you as well for listening. If you have feedback on the show, don't hesitate to drop us an email at podcast at macworld.com or leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Lex Friedman reminding you that you can find all sorts of Apple, Mac, and iOS coverage at macworld.com, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks again. Thanks again.